you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Just a Sip. I am your host, Justin Sylvester. I have a very special treat for you guys. She is a Oscar-nominated and Oscar-winning costume designer. She is going to have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and she is the woman behind Wakanda Forever. Please welcome Ruth Carter. to ask you something because one of the best facts that I read about you is mm. that you won an Academy Award for Black Panther and that was also Marvel's first ever Academy Award as well. Thank you for mentioning that. It doesn't always get mentioned and we're trying to abolish systemic racism. We're trying to, you know, uplift the race. We're trying to be inclusive and and you know celebrate culture. And so to have an African American woman be the uh, first to bring the Oscar to such a big institution like Marvel is yes. celebration time. It's actually a check the box moment. And yes. you know. When you say the first and black in the same sentence, you know, it really does sometimes shine the light on what hasn't been happening. For the Marvel credit, they didn't have it white, black, green, purple, orange. They didn't have it before. And That's so that, that, that first is also, it's a different kind of a first. Well, it's a historic first. I it's mean, a historic first. You're talking about an institution like Marvel that's been around before you and I. Yeah, but this this verse with Marvel doesn't have a color. You're right. It doesn't have a color. You don't say the first black. You just say the first. It's the first Oscar that Marvel yes. has ever gotten. Yes, and that's what I love about that credit. It's just a first. And, you know, with the Academy, the first and black, as I said, having first and black in the same sentence, like sheds the light on that. There was an exclusion for a long time. You know, here we are in 2021, you know, 2019, I was the first yeah. black costume designer to win the Oscar. So they've been giving it out. No, at Marvel, it's just the first. Let me answer your question. Going back to those Marvel moments, when you heard about Black Panther and they said, Ruth, we want you to go ahead and design this. How much pressure was on your no. back not to f*** this up? 
you know, when I first went in to meet with Ryan, you know, at Marvel, uh, it was a lot of pressure on me. Um, I'd never done a superhero film before, you know, all black has been in my, uh, repertoire for a long time. All black wasn't it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was never having done a superhero and actually stepping into a, a legendary story that went way back to the sixties with the comics and, and, and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Yeah. So that was that was the pressure. And then I walked into Ryan Coopler's office and met with him and Nate Moore. And I was, you know, trying to open up images on my my laptop. And and Ryan said, you know, Pet Ruth, I'm, I'm so glad you're here. You know, I was a little kid when Malcolm X came out. My dad took me to the movies to go see that wow. film. And I remember sitting on his lap and I remember being, you know, having an impression on me of the costumes. And uh, so I felt like I had auditioned for Black Panther when he was a little boy. And you didn't even know it. I didn't know it. So, you know, the pressure lifted because there was an aesthetic that we shared, that we shared an affinity for. And that was Black culture, the African diaspora, the dispelling of the myths about Africa being one monolithic place. So we went into our family life, our upbringing, you know, and, wow. and and images that we shared a love for and why why the film was important. It was a lot like, you know, working with Spike and having purpose. You know, when yeah. you work with Spike, Spike Lee, you have purpose. You know why. You not only know the script and the characters, but you know why you're presenting this film. You know why you're doing it. And so I knew great. why I was doing Black Panther. Yeah. Is it nuts to you to look back and realize that you've kind of sort of shaped the culture in multiple decades? Like you shaped what people thought black life was in Selma. You shaped what people thought black life was in Spike Lee movies, what, what black life will be in the future. You know what I mean? Like Jungle Fever in the 90s. Like you had your hand in some of the most iconic movies that talked about black culture and you got to be the one to present those characters, what does that feel like for you when you wrap your head around your career? Um, I think about this all the time. Um, first of all, we didn't really shape anything. We just displayed what was, what is, you know? And authenticity um, is so important that, you know, you go about your artistry as authentic as you uh, feel you want to be. And mm -hmm. um, I'm really proud that you know, young people today who were my, who are my age now, when, as I was then, the films resonate for them. And I think it, it resonates for them because we were coming from a real place. And, and right now I feel like young people just want to be real. They just want to be, they just want to be themselves. They don't want to fall into some kind of category or some kind of, you know, preconceived ideal. They, they want to go about their lives authentically. And I think that we were about that when I was their age back then, wanting to, you know, present the best images that we felt that we were seeing in our community. I hope I'm not speaking out of turn, but, you know, I feel like sometimes Black hairstylists only get brought on for Black actresses and Black, you know, writers only get brought on to write Black stories. Do you feel like in the costume world, they kind of sort of pigeonhole you 
in the same kind of stereotypical thing. Yes, it, that happens across the board. Um, uh, it doesn't happen, um, you know, as widespread. Okay, so I have been on shows where makeup effects was all white. Okay, specialized uh, type of makeup that includes prosthetics and and uh, you know high a higher level of understanding about makeup effects. You know, I don't see as many African-Americans in that category. So I might, I might be on a black show and they bring in black hair people and black makeup people. But then when we get a higher level of skill set, there are black people there. And when you're on something white, there's not a black person that's brought in to do someone white's hair because they're good at their high level skill. So, you know, the industry is so, uh, it, it, they, people like to hire who they know. Oh, and, yeah. Oh. And, and, and we are, we are doing a, a job that's done so fast. They don't want mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like this civil, this, this sense of confidence that they got this black star and she has her black hairstylist. In some ways, we're supporting each other. Yes, we're we're supporting each other because we don't get the jobs. We don't work as much. And if you ever had a white person do your hair, um, I've had a white look. I'm going to let you know something. There was two times I've messed up in my life and I wanted to prove a point. I actually didn't mess up. I wanted to prove a point. There was times where I would fight and argue about why I needed a barber to cut my hair. And, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of times when you get into these hair and makeup rooms, they're like, we just need somebody who could do a little bit of everything. And I always Mm -hmm. would say, well, you wouldn't have a barber try to highlight somebody's hair, would you? Right. So, you know what? I let them hire somebody who couldn't obviously had no experience cutting black men's hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, I walk on set and my boss was like, what the hell happened? What the heck to you? (laughs) And I was like, talk to her. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, back in the day, I went to a white salon and asked for a perm. Okay? Oh, no. Yeah, very different. Very different. Those two words mean two different things. Two different things. So I, I think that there there is a certain amount of experience we bring to uh, certain areas. But I think with um, costume design, it, it, it's changing. You know, we are stepping into other uh, genres, but not as much, I think, as we we should be able to, because it doesn't seem to be a problem on the other side. The, them coming into a black project doesn't seem to be a problem, but us going into white project, you know, seems to be like you know you have to know a lot more than the average bear, you know. So, you know, we are constantly challenged by those things. And I think that we're ready to meet those challenges and start to, you know, change things. I was on Keeping Up with the Joneses. It was an all-white cast, and they were very happy. I Jimmy. did Jerry Seinfeld's pilot for Seinfeld. I did a teen beach movie. I mean, there, there are projects that we can do. We're artists. We're designers. Um, but there is the there is that pigeonhole thing. That good that Stere- good voice club. Typecasting, yeah, typecasting. Yeah. yeah. Was there ever a movie where you saw it in theaters and you were like, Man, I wish I could have been a part of this. This is amazing. Yes, this is a magical thing that I'm oh, seeing right yeah. here. Oh yeah, I say that all the time. Ma Rainey's black black bottom. Um 
I, I studied Ann Ross work. You know, I'm a super admirer, super fan. Uh, anything she does that I think is good. I'm like, Hey, I should have been there too. Cause I would have tipped that hat a little bit. Show and show. And yeah, but, you know, I just like to celebrate. I remember the moment I thought I could be a talk show host and I was watching mm. Arsenio Hall mm -hmm. with my mom. I stayed up a little late. Mm. I was watching Arsenio Hall with my mom mm -hmm. and I thought, mm -hmm. oh my God, if only I could do that for a living. When was that moment for you where you lo looked at costuming as something other than threads and needles? Lady Sings the Blues, Diana Ross. That's a good one. And when the... Um, Billy Williams reached in and gave her the money in her hand when she was, you know, doing her little dance and putting them like, you know, and play picking it up, you know, in other places. Yeah. And he allowed allowed her to take the money in her hand and she got real jubilant and started singing the song her way. And I was like, Ooh, I wanna do that. I wanna be <laughs> I wanna be a costume designer. Her clothes were designed by Bob Mackie. Wow. And they were beautiful. That yellow dress that she wears and it has the fur. Oh, no, on the beach when she's in her fur coat and it's billowing and it's blowing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I tried to recreate that in Old Boy with our character on the beach. I gave her a beautiful Dior silk cape, black cape. And we let the wind just like take it away. And that was my Diana Ross Lady Sings the Blues moment. Oh my God. I remember yeah, watching that's mine. Harlem Nights. Ellery's came out and she had the dress and she had the fringe at the, yes. at the shoulder. That and was, she had, yes. The pillbox hat. Yes. Yeah, the beautiful costume up. design. That was Joe Tompkins. He was also a costume designer. Now, not just, we've just named two very significant Black films, both designed by white costume designers, and we enjoyed them, and we enjoyed the costumes. Proof positive that those tables can be turned. It's just a matter of, I guess, producers and studios seeing that. Let me ask you another question. And you, you know, I can be shady sometimes, and I don't want to okay. throw anybody under the bus. But yeah. you find that when you're when you're calling the fashion houses, do you have to over-explain, or do you have to? When it comes to black actors, black movies, and black projects, do the the normal, the bigger fashion houses give you more trouble in order to get clothes and samples to put into the movies? Oh, yeah. Listen, when we first started putting together Black Panther, we actually had a pseudonym. It was called Motherland. And, um, you know, I've been already in the industry for a long time. I wasn't unknown. Uh, and I was calling around and trying to get things like for the lip plate guy or um, nobody really knew, you know, they knew Lupita and they knew of Chadwick from his other films. But... Uh, a lot of things I had to pay for, which I would have normally been gifted because being in the film would have been, you know, something enough for, the payment. Enough for their brand. Yeah, no. And I ended up paying big money for things um, because they didn't put any value on it. Now, if I call, they're just super excited. But I, I had to, like, you know, make several phone calls to even get the designer on the line. So, you know. We don't forget those things going around the second time. I am happy that you are as shady as me. 
<laughs> Every now and then, no, no, you got to pull the petty lever. You got to yeah. pull the yeah. petty lever every now and then, okay? And if yes, you're lucky, yes. you just got three sevens, bitch. I'm extra petty today. <laughs> oh, yes. Is there? A but we involved a lot of designers, a lot of African designers in coming to America. And that was awesome. You know, we were with Laduma Maxosa, we, uh, uh, Palessa Makubang. I mean, we were in South Africa. We were in West Africa. We really wow. highlighted African designers and coming to America and, and, and East Indian designers, JJ Balaya, Appetite for a Millionaire. We used for crowns. We used Laura DeWitt. We were just like the small designers all over coming to America. So you pulled the Beyonce and you were like, bring all the black people in. Bring them all. Bring them all. Welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Working on coming to America too. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. What is probably going to be one of the most talked about films of the year because there's so much anticipation behind it. Yeah, I think people are going to have fun. It's funny. You'll see. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Is there one celebrity actor, actress who you worked with and you just thought, I cannot believe this is my life? Yes. Okay. First of all, Arsenio Hall and Eddie Murphy together. I can't believe this is my life. Come on. I can't believe that, you know, I'm dressing them for coming to America. I can't believe this is my life. I mean, (laughs) right. What? 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 Black Panther working with Chadwick. I'd seen him in 42. I'd seen him as James Brown. I've seen that brother performing. Oh, bringing it. Bring it. I, I dressed him in Marshall and I was on the set of Marshall when I got the news that I was going to design Black Panther and he was the star. I can't Please. believe this is my life. <laughs> <laughs> what about Oprah and the butler? Yeah, that was pretty um, magical. And what's funny is when Oprah came into my fitting room, uh, we had our fitting and everything, and I made sure I was prepared. And her driver had gone, like, I don't know, up the street to get her a soda. I don't know. And so he wasn't back yet. And so we sat. I sat on the couch, and she sat in the little chair next, you know, to the couch. And I was like, this is what it must feel like to be on the Oprah show. Like, Right. She and I are like sitting here just chatting. And uh, she was like, where'd you get your nails done? And I was like, oh, I got them done at this place over here on Magazine Street because we were in New Orleans. And the next time I went into that nail salon, they were like, oh, my God, Oprah came in here and got her nails done. (laughs) (laughs) So... So I, I, I can't believe this is my life kind of a thing, you know, sitting on the couch chatting with Oprah. I mean, come on, this is, um, you know, everybody seems to like, you know, respect you and your craft. They don't try to 
tell you what to do. They respect that you have a craft. And I always uh, don't assume that they're going to come in with some magic bullet yeah. that I, I need to present to them, you know, my opinion about the character and where it could go. And I think they appreciate that that collaborative um, effort. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm about to say a lot of times actors come in thinking they know what the character is, who the character, what the character would say, what they would do, X, Y, and Z. So how hard is it to sometimes break an actor and make them realize that maybe the direction they're going is not the right one? Well, one good thing is I'm usually the first person they meet on the on the whole crew, the whole, you know, I'm the first, you know, place they are taken. So they come in like with a lot of mystery and a lot of questions and they're wondering, you know, maybe I've had conversations, which I've had with the director and the producers, you know, so they're gaining some intel, you know, from yes. me. And, and so they're kind of, they're usually open and wondering, well, you know, what this is. I'm the gatekeeper, right? And so... I also listen, and and then we have several. The first uh, fitting is like a consultation. Oh, my God. I have a friend who's a costume designer. Oh, you do? Yeah, I have a really good friend who's a costume designer. I'm about to put her business out on Front Street, so I'm not going to say her name. Okay. She would come home, and she'd be like, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, you have no fucking clue. You have no clue. No idea. She wouldn't tell me what was going on. I knew what movie she was working on, but like, you know, she wouldn't tell me. And come to find out, this actress then, you know, was like, I'm pregnant. And she was like, oh. I've been hiding this pregnancy for six months. And it's one of the hardest things I have yes. ever done in my life. Yes. Not only because you're hiding it from the world, but you're hiding it from a producer. You're deriding from the directors. You're hiding it from the other actors on the screen, have you ever had to do something that crazy? I have. And you need the DP and everybody to help you. I, Vanessa Williams in Shaft was pregnant. And so I had to, yeah, I gave her a pea coat where it was double breasted. She could stick her hands in her pockets and walk down the street, could not see that little belly. Uh, (laughs) I gave her actually a matte black form fitting dress. It was so black that it just went to infinity. Wow. So you couldn't see the and the and the DP shot her straight on. So you couldn't see because her bump was just all in front. Wow. It's crazy what clothes. You're still like, sweating really. bullets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. But like, you know, you think about it and you don't even realize like how much these costumes, what they mean to a film. Mm-hmm. Because if the costumes were whack on Black Panther, you already know they would have they would have came for your ass. They would have came for me before you all even saw it, because <laughs> that, <laughs> that was not an option. What's like the what's the costume budget like that mm. on a Marvel film? It's ju- It's huge. It's gi- I was going to say it's ginormous and huge at the same time. It's huge. And did you use all of it? <laughs> I used all of it. I used all of it. It's, it's, I would say it's in the millions. You know, they're specialty costumes. They're just not, you, nothing, you can't buy anything in the store. It's all built. It's every single thing. I heard a rumor that you made a crown out of a motherfucking placemat. Oh, I did. 
<laughs> How and did that, you do that? Whose crown and, was it? And that only cost me nineteen dollars. Um, it was Angela it was, Bassett's. No way. That was that was three D printed. No, this was not even a crown. It was at the Warrior Falls where you see the Maasai the Maasai headdress that goes around the face like this. And in the comics, in the Black Panther comics, there's a Maasai at Tribal Council. Tribal Council. He's sitting there with that big mask on at Tribal Council. So I asked Ryan Coogler, I was like, are we going to put the Maasai mask in Tribal Council? And he was like, no, I want the guy with, I want the guy to have a lip plate, you know? So I was like, dang, I got to get that mask. I got to get it in there. And so when we did Warrior Falls, he said, this is all traditional. So this is your time to put all the traditional tribal wares out there. And I was like, boom, it's going in there. And I couldn't spend like a whole lot of money on it because it was background. So my uh, shoppers had bought these big placemats and runners. I was like, here it is, folks. And so I got the placemat and I cut a hole in it. And them things are thick, man. They are hard to cut. <laughs> and Shut I cut that one. hole, right? And they are made very well. And I painted it. And then my crew finished it and put the feathers and uh, mane on it. And that's what that guy wore. This is why they pay you to make bucks. You know, this is how we jump through them hoops. That's and if why I come to your house... On October 15th, looking for a costume for Halloween, you better open oh, no. up. I will not be open to the door. <laughs> <laughs> I hide at Halloween. I have I, all my friends, you know, when it started happening like that, you know, everybody I know was calling me like, help me come. I'm going to a party. Help me with my costume. I'm like, do you know I take my job seriously? This is not Halloween over here. You like, you know, people pay me to do this, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have done my share, but Halloween has gotten complicated. Girl, but you know what? I'm a gay man, so less is more. So you probably gonna make a doily into like, oh, uh, you know, a composite. You know, I'm I'm not that. If you want to do that, we, you can come on. Well, you know, I'll give you some tips. No, I'm coming over. You said come over. <laughs> <laughs> this is when I know somebody is big. I know somebody is big. When A, they've won an Oscar. B, they have a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which we're going to get to. But C, you have an exhibition at the Mm. Costume Design at SCAD, Mm. which is one of the most prestigious American Mm. fashion institutes Mm. in this country. Mm. What was it like Mm. putting that together? And what was the inspiration behind it? Well, you know, I've been trying for many years to um, get that exhibition off the ground. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a theater girl at heart and I and in theater people save costumes. And so from the very beginning, I'm like, I'm saving this sh- these shoes. At the time, I was thinking maybe they would appear in another film. That's why I was saving things, but they never did. And then I just started saving and all through my career. And before I knew it. They, I had a storage uh, full of those costumes, and wow. and then and then I said, you know, there's an exhibition here, and I started to uh, amass a team, and we we did decks, and we sent out letters to people like, can you help us put this together? And we weren't getting a lot of um, 
people coming forward. You know, we were asking for money and people uh, hide when you so, ask money. They hide. They hide. I was like, hey, hey I just spoke to you uh, five minutes ago. You still there? <laughs> and I couldn't hear nothing. So all of a sudden, Scad said, we'll do it. You don't have to pay us nothing. We want it. We want it here. We'll wow. put it up in our museum. We'll do it. We love you, Ruth. We want to show our students those costumes. Bring them over here. Bring them over here. We got you, boo. What is in this exhibition? We have um, Do the Right Thing. Um, we have Roots and Amistad together. Amazing. We have the Selma March. We got the goldfish shoes from I'm Gonna Get You Sucker. And my favorite, the- my favorite shoes <laughs> ever. <laughs> With the goldfish grin. Yeah, the goldfish and uh, and the yellow pimp suit. Um, we have the leather uh, jacket from Shaft, um, the one that Sam Jackson was in. I can um, Yeah, we've got the the twin set, the black and white twin set from the Butler that Oprah and Forrest Whitaker wore. Oh my and god! And Dolomite is my name is in there too. Eddie Murphy's comeback role, Dolomite is my name. Golden Globe nominated, by the way. Yeah, exactly. Golden Globe nominated, uh, Critics' Choice. And then we have in the centerpiece, uh, I think 10 costumes from Black Panther, including the Black Panther suit that the late Chadwick Boseman wore. The one. The one. So some we have to borrow. Of course, we borrowed from uh, from Marvel. Marvel. And And they were generous. When I think of SCAD and exhibitions, I think of Andre Leon Talley and Eno has had an exhibition there. And, you know, the greats. Ruth, you have an exhibition at SCAD. I do. And, you know, you might learn a little bit more than you might from a couture costume. You might learn that there is story and there is history and there is Afro future in this exhibition. So um, you're actually going to uh, learn about the role of a costume designer in telling a story and how all of these costumes represent Afro future. You guys got to check that out. If you're in Savannah and you have never been to the campus alone, it's ridiculous oh, yeah. and beautiful. It is yeah. a really amazing moment. How long will that exhibition run? It's going to run at SCAD Atlanta, SCAD Fash Atlanta, SCAD Savannah, hands down, gorgeous campus. Oh, my God. If I if it was there when I was going to cool school, that would have been my choice. Sorry, Hampton. I love you. But SCAD, Fash, SCAD Savannah is SCAD, SCAD. I don't even know how to sell. I wonder what you said. Yeah. in Savannah. That place is beautiful. Ooh, and they have taken all of those restored places and they they kept them uh, in the restored way. And they also, oh God, we could go on about it. And the but boys it's in Atlanta. Atlanta. It's in Atlanta where it's, it's in Atlanta. more accessible. Yes, it's more accessible. That's there. good to know. Let me ask you a question. On the Hollywood Walk of Fame, mm-hmm. how many costume designers are immortalized there? Do you know? Mm, one. Edith Head. She was the one of the first costume designers in Hollywood back in the 40s, 50s. She worked a lot with Alfred Hitchcock. Iconic. Mm-hmm. I'm the first African-American, which, you know, I'm going to stop saying that. Yeah. 
You just stop saying that you're the second costume designer to yeah. be immortalized mm-hmm. on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Well, we will be unveiling it on February 22nd, and it's going to be a virtual a virtual event um, that I think is better than actually the live event because you're there on Hollywood Boulevard and you've got, you know, all this traffic of people and you've got hecklers, you've got, you know, walkabouts, you've got, yeah. you know, you, you, it's hard to pick out your family and your friends, you know. And it's hard because you only get 20 seats. You Yes. And so this one is going to be virtual. And I'm excited because I can share it with thousands of people, millions of people. I can share it with people across the world. And and I think I have allies and in, in, in cohorts around the globe that will tune in to see me get that star. That means a lot to me. Where that means from? a lot to me. I'm from Springfield, Massachusetts. A little girl from Springfield, Massachusetts is going to be unveiled in the class of 2021 on Hollywood Walk of Fame. If that, I don't, I think it would take me about 10 years walking across it or bringing first dates here. Be like, oh, oh, sorry. What is this? Yeah. What? Oh, excuse me. Can we stop right here? I just feel like we should stop. Yeah. I'm going to bring a Swiffer with me every time. Every week, I'm going to go out there and Swiffer it, you know, that like. Do you know where you are? Not yet. I'm finding out, though. I have a friend whose dad has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. And he always says, the prettiest girls are always on top of my star. Because he's on a corner. Oh, (laughs) He's on a corner. (laughs) He's on a corner. He's on a popping corner, too. Let me just tell you all. He's in a popping corner. And every time she would drive around to see the star, he would be like, there's always the prettiest girls on girls my Girls on my star? That's <laughs> on the corner. With all the... Ooh, that's so funny. So now you got me scared. You got to get a good corner. I need a good corner. I need... I want to be in front of, like, Hollywood costumes. Like, you know, that that's an institution. Yeah, that's an institution. Yeah. Ruth Carter, I am so happy to have you for Black History Month, but I'm just happy Thank to you. introduce the world to somebody who has shaped so many stories for us, and we don't even realize it. White, Black, man, woman, we all remember where we were when we heard Wakanda Forever, and we saw that snakeskin S, you know, mm. material go right on Chadwick Boseman's body. So mm. thank you for that. And thank you for taking a sip. We really appreciate it. By the way, we forgot to to tell y'all White Lady Vanessa and Ruth knew each other back in White Lady (laughs) Vanessa's wild days. So we're going to come back. Vanessa's white. Vanessa's not white. Vanessa is a sister. You didn't know that. Vanessa, you better tell them. You better tell them. That's why we picked you, because you had it. That's right. Not anymore. She's living in suburbia. She's driving her minivan. She I do not, not have a minivan. I do not have a minivan. She's driving her minivan. Okay. My first uh, job out of Fitum with Ruth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fitum. I did. I'll tell you a story in a minute. <laughs> oh my uh, we loved God. Vanessa too. We loved her Ruth, so Ruth much. Ruth is such a dream. She gave up her per diem because production mm. would not pay for me to go. Mm-hmm. and got a condo instead of her own hotel room so that I could come and we stayed with her in a condo in Jamaica. And I was yeah. an intern. I was an intern. 
I just wanted to have some fun in Jamaica. So I had three pretty girls in my team, and I was like, y'all living in my condo. We having a party over here, y'all. Wow. <laughs> well, thank you for coming. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. Ruth is such a cool-ass chick. Amazing. She's amazing. She really is. I find the two most important things on a film. Actually, I'm going to give you the top three. The first one is acting. The script could be but if you give an actor mm-hmm. a fucking script and they can do it, they can pull a rabbit out of their asses. Mm-hmm. The second thing is, if the music is good, you could give me a, a show about the 90s. I don't know what the hell's going on in it because I barely remember any of it or about the 80s or the 70s. But you can always connect to a story through the music. Yeah. And the last thing is, is the costume because the yeah. costume really gives the actor the permission to come alive. Yeah. And there's, there's such nuances in costume that most people probably don't recognize. Like even in like, let's say for Stella, how, how she got her group back for Angela Bassett's character. Like you'll notice in the beginning of the film, she's wearing a turtleneck. Yeah. Stuffy and she's buttoned up, but by the end she's like, you know, V-necks and, and those subtle like things that most people don't even notice of a a character's like story arc is so like important to the film, but it's like such, it's like, you don't, it's your subconscious. Like you don't even realize you're going through that journey. And so Ruth is just, yeah, she shaped my career in many ways. And the, the story that I was telling when you came on was a mistake I had made on how Stella got her groove back. And I was terrified because she was off at the Oscars. She was nominated for Amistad and she had left and we were shooting the hedonism scene and how Stellar got her groove back. And I was the intern and the two supervisors put me in charge of dressing all the extras. Well, oh. it was hedonism. So I thought, oh, they should look, you know, super sexy. And this one chick showed up in like a G-string white teddy with like a pink boa. And I approved her costume. And so they put her in the scene. Midway through filming the hedonism, the two supervisors came running over to me and they were freaking out did you okay that outfit? Did you okay that outfit? And I was like, I did. And they were like, the director keeps using her in every scene. They're like, Ruth is going to lose her mind. And I was like, because <gasps> I was terrified because I was an intern. And the director just so- liked her because she was sexy. Yeah. So I was terrified. And they're like, we're not owning up for this. You better tell Ruth you made this decision. They were like, we're not taking the fall for you. I How was like, you? in my 20s. And this is literally like legit from college, my very first internship job. I did that film from pre-production to post-production, 16 hours a day for free. Like, so I was just like terrified. And I was asleep at the condo that she got for us with her per diem, which already shows you what kind of human she is. And she sat on the edge of the bed when she flew home from the Oscars from LA. And she like touched me and like woke me up and she was like, hi. And I was like, hi. She's like, I heard that I need to talk to you about something. And I was like, Yes. And she's like, I watched the dailies. And I was like, yes. And she's like, I saw the outfit and I don't like it. And I was like, I'm really sorry. It was totally me. Like they had nothing to do with it. It was fully me. And she was like, you know what? The director used her in every scene and it's technically his film. So if he liked her, you did something right. Thank you for owning up to your mistake. Wow. And I was like, (sighs) and it just shaped me as in my career to like always own up to your miss. It literally was a pivotal moment in my like 
how I handle my professional life and like owning up for my mistakes and never throwing anyone else under the bus. That's black culture. Like own up to it and we'll figure this out. You know what I mean? That's kind of sort of how we've always yeah. operated in a work instance. Yeah. Um, because we've always had to look out for one another. I hear you. She's so but interesting. I love her. Her career, man. She's just incredible. I'm really glad you were able to talk to her. Me too. You guys, thanks for listening. And do not forget to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. And you can follow me at The Lady Sitter and be sure to come back every week for another pour of your favorite celebrity. <laughs> <laughs>